Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So great to be with you all here this morning. I just want to say our scripture readings uh, today, they are jam-packed with a whole bunch of stuff for us to glean and to learn about God and his purposes for our lives. So I encourage you to take your bulletin home, your handout home this week, and read over those verses again and again and let them soak into who you are. Today, though, I'd like to spend some time with our Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 66. And wow, there is a depth of richness in just that short little group of verses. It goes all the way back to creation and all the way forward to recreation when Jesus comes again. You could feast on those verses for a long time, and we're going to sample that a bit this morning. But before we jump into the text, I want to talk a little bit about some of the academic reading I did this past week to prepare for my message today. And I don't know if you guys know, but I have a PhD in some very nerdy Bible stuff. So I like to read these very deep, obscure, highly academic, scholarly works at times to prepare for my sermon. So in preparation uh, for my sermon, I pulled one of uh, a monograph I like to go to off the shelf, uh, known by a quite well-known doctor. And uh, if it, when I talk about goes beyond your head a little bit, I hope that you just bear with me for a moment. But I wonder if you've ever heard of this theologian before. His name is Theodore Geisel. You ever heard of him? Okay. You may have heard of him. His other name is called Dr. Seuss. And some of his better known theological works are Cat in the Hat. You've heard of Cat in the Hat? Okay. Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah, I had that for breakfast too. And uh, there's a little lesser known theological monograph called... The Sneetches. Anyone heard of the Sneetches? Okay, all right. Some of you more sophisticated folks out there, uh, more learned, I hear you. Well, anyway, in case you don't know the story about the Sneetches, the Sneetches are tall, yellow creatures who live on the beaches, okay? And in Seuss's story, these creatures, these Sneetches, who live on the beaches, are divided into two groups. Here they are. There are those who have green stars on their bellies, and then there are those who do not. Now, the green starts, Nietzsche's, these are the in crowd. These are the cool kids. These are the insiders. They belong. And they build exclusive campfires around which they sing their little songs. They never invited those plain belly Sneetches. They left them out cold in the dark of the beaches. Those Sneetches without the green stars on their bellies, those plain bellied Sneetches, they're the outsiders. They're not the cool kids. They're the losers. They don't belong. And so the story goes on to tell how this sort of insider and this outsider tension is lived in the land of the Sneetches. So the parable reveals to little kids and perhaps to maybe us big kids here today, reveals the absurdity and maybe the reality of the prejudices we all harness within. The story also reveals a a profound truth about the relationships we have with each other. It reveals also the agony of being excluded. We all know how that feels. And it also reveals the thrill and the glory of being included. And I hope we all know how that feels as well. Now, C.S. Lewis, he's an actual theologian. He talked about this outsider and this insider dynamic. He wrote an essay on it called The Inner Ring. 
And he said this, he said that I believe that in all of our lives between infancy and to the extreme old age, one of the most dominant elements is the drive to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside of it. Humanity desires to belong. Anybody out there desire to belong? To be included? To be on the inside? You see, something happens when we get on the inside, the inner ring, into the club, into the clique, into the family, into the group. When an outsider becomes an insider, the thrill of belonging is huge. But we got to be careful so we don't become like those sneeches and let snobbery and prejudice and destructive thoughts and actions and exclusion creep in because it can creep in. It can creep in even amongst the church, even amongst God's people. It creeps in and we drive people away. It's never been that way with God, though, and his heart and his desire. God desires that all who are far, all who are outside, be brought near and brought in, brought close. In fact, some of those most profound elements of God's desire to bring outsiders in, it was written down in our Old Testament reading, Isaiah chapter 66, 2,700 years ago. I mean, think about that, 2,700 years ago. These words were spoken and written down in the midst of a people that didn't look like us, didn't speak like us, didn't act like us, different culture than us. And here, 2,700 years later, we are reading them. I mean, that alone speaks volumes that God ultimately desires to include and not exclude. God desires every nation, every people, every language to experience him and his glory. Isaiah 66, verse 18, God says to the prophet Isaiah, he says, and I, he says, I, because of what they, that's the Israelites, have planned and done, that's a whole other sermon, but he says, I am about to come and gather, gather the people of all nations and languages, and they will come and they will see my glory. This is God speaking 2,700 years ago through Isaiah. And we see that God, he's in the business of gathering people together to belong, to experience community. In fact, I'd argue it's why every one of you are in the room here today. In fact, a friend of mine's church, he calls it the gathering. God desires us to gather us together as his people to be inside. We connect to him, we connect to each other in worship. But God is not only gathering those with stars on their bellies. He's calling all people. But you see, Israel often acted like those snobby sneeches in Dr. Seuss's story with stars on their bellies, as if for some reason that they were better than other nations. For some reason, they were more worthy of God's grace and God's call and God's mercy in their lives. You see, so when God says these words through Isaiah the prophet, the Israelites probably get a little nervous. And God wasn't just saying, hey, all you nations out there, feel free, come on by whenever you want. God was saying, Israel, I'm going to send some of you out to them, to the outsiders, to bring them in, to make them insiders, even if they don't got stars on their bellies. In fact, verse 19, God says, I will set a, I will set a sign among them, and I will send some of those who survive to the nation. So what's, what's he talking about there? Some of those who survive, that's the remnant of Israel, that's some of the Israelites. I'm going to send some of them to the nations, to the outsiders, to Tarshish, to the Libyans and Lydians, famous as archers. Why did he put that in there? 
Maybe because it's going to be dangerous when you go out to those outsiders. It's not going to be all roses. It's going to be hard work. I'm going to send you to Tubal and to Greece and to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or my reputation or seen my glory. They, the Israelites, those ones, they're going to go out there and proclaim my glory among the nations, the Gentiles, the outsiders. He's sending Israel to witness to the world. But, you know, it's nothing new. Actually, God has been about this all along. It's been his desire all along. But Israel just sort of keeps falling short. You may remember back into Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. God said to Abraham, all peoples, Abraham, all nations, Abraham, on earth will be blessed through you. But Israel just couldn't get it. They couldn't get it working. So God is prompting them and reminding them again through his prophet Isaiah. Verse 20 says, and they, that's those remnant, that those Israelites that I'm sending out, they will bring, this is powerful wording here, they will bring all your people. It could have been translated brothers, your sisters, your siblings, your family, your kin. They're going to bring all your people from all the nations. God is saying all your people from all the nations. I'm going to bring them to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering, gift to the Lord. On horses and chariots and wagons and on mules and camels, just like you take when you go up to Jerusalem to worship, says the Lord. They will bring them. As the Israelites bring their grain offerings to the temple of the Lord in ceremonially, this word is important, clean vessels. I could preach five sermon series on just that verse alone. It is loaded. The Israelites who didn't like the nations, who viewed them as sneetches without the stars, they're being confronted by God with a huge task. God's saying, I want you to go out to all those outsiders out there, to the nations throughout the world, and it might be dangerous, and you're going to bring them to me, to Jerusalem, and they're going to be considered family. Not just sitting next to them in the pew, but living life with them. Family, brothers, sisters, insiders, not outsiders. And guess what? They'll be a gift, a gift to the Lord. And guess what? You thought they were unclean, but no, they are clean. They aren't outsiders. Bring them in. And then it gets even more radical. What God does, he takes it to the next level. He says this. The Israelites probably getting nervous right now. They're saying, and I will select some of them, those outsiders, those sneeches without the stars on their bellies. Some of them will also be priests and Levites. God is bringing all nations, the Gentiles, to be on equivalent standing with the religious leadership of the nation of Israel. God is saying this line is to be obliterated. There is no outsider. Bring them into the family. Go out there and get them. That's your brothers and sisters out there. They were a gift to me and they were a gift to you. And guess what God says? They are also to be leaders in my kingdom they will have the highest of religious leadership as well. These are powerful, radical words spoken by God to the people of God 2,700 years ago. And he continues on. And God says, as the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and your descendants endure. From one new moon to another, month to month, from one Sabbath to another, week to week. All mankind, everybody, every human being will come and bow down before me. Worship me, says the Lord. 
Now, these words are powerful. They're powerful words from God to his people. They're challenging words from God to his people. It's a vision of the future that is free from prejudice and disdain for all those outsiders out there. But it's even more than that. It's a vision that God's people deep down inside would have a desire, a longing, a yearning to include all people to come and to experience the community of God, the glory of God, the grace of God. So how do you think it ended up for God's people 2,700 years ago when he spoke this word through Isaiah the prophet? Before we get there, does anybody know how it ended up for our friends, the Sneetches? Well, there's a greedy old guy by the name of Sylvester McMonkey McBean, okay? He came to town with a star on machine. And so the plain bellies paid three bucks to McBean to put a star on their bellies. Well, this created such a ruckus in the Sneetch community that the star-bellied elites complained to McBean, and he said to them, for $10, I'll take that star off with my star-off machine. So back and forth it went, stars off, stars on, stars off, stars on, and he took all of the speeches for all of their money. He preyed upon their prejudice, left them poor, broken, and dismayed. They didn't know who was in or out anymore. And he said, that's just the way it is with those speeches. They'll never learn. But something happened. Dr. Suits right. He writes, but McBean was quite wrong. I'm quite happy to say that the Sneetches got really quite smart on that day. The day they decided that Sneetches are Sneetches. And no kind of Sneetch is the best on the beaches. That day, all the Sneetches forgot about stars and whether they had one or not upon ours. The Sneetches had to be brought to a point of poverty, humility, brokenness, before they could realize that no one's an outsider. Everyone belongs. They had more in common than they do not, and no Sneetch is better than another. How did it go for God's people 2,700 years ago when God spoke this word through Isaiah the prophet? They too had to be brought to a point of poverty, humility, and brokenness before they could realize God's plan for all. And for 700 years after Isaiah spoke, they just didn't get it. And so those plain-bellied nations stayed on the outside until finally God sent his son Jesus, as he said he would, Isaiah 66, verse 19, he said, I will set a sign among them. Jesus is the ultimate sign. In Jesus, the words of Isaiah the prophet are fulfilled. In his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, the Israelites, their brokenness and their poverty of soul was exposed. Remember his disciple Peter? Denied him three times. And all of humanity's need for God was shown. And Jesus began his work. Through his spirit, he taught the church that every human being belongs in his kingdom. He taught that we are all the same before God. We are all poor, we are broken, and we all need him. Not one of us is more worthy than the other for his grace and his mercy. Jesus created the church, his body 
And he sent it out to all the nations, to all the Gentiles, to all the lost sheep of Israel to bring them all home. St. Paul was one of the first who lived and fulfilled this out. He said in Romans 15, he said this, God gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the good news so that the Gentiles, that the nations might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by his spirit. My friends, that's why every one of us is here in the room today. We are the recipients. We are the fulfillment of God's promise to reach all nations and all languages. Our nation, believe it or not, and our language didn't exist 2,700 years ago. And God reached across time and across space through his son Jesus and through his church. And he gathered us here today. He called us home, as family. We once were far off, but he's drawn us near. We once were outsiders, Gentiles, but he's brought us inside. We belong to the family. We are the nations that were once despised. And he's brought us to leadership, to purpose in his kingdom. Just as he's brought us inside, here to peace and to community and to belonging, to family, he's also called us to go back outside. Call that delivering the restorative hope of Jesus, to go outside, to bring every nation and every language back home. And so while his words to us today are a sign of comfort and identity and belonging and family and home that we're here, his words are also a warning and a call to reflect. Are we excluding others because they're different than us? Are you excluding others because they're different than you? Am I excluding others because they are different than me? Are we as a church, as an institution, St. John's in Orange, are we excluding others because they are different than us? Let's go outside, maybe further than we've ever gone before, and let's be blessed by the gift of those who are different than us. All nations and all languages are a part of God's plan. May the promise given to Abraham be fulfilled among us. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Let's confess our faith.